Hello everyone and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, January 17th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com and I am joined on today's podcast by Slash Film writers Y Tran Bowie. Hey everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hi. <laughs> All right, guys. I was on mute. It's fine. No, I'm not. It's fine. It's Friday. Uh, we're yeah. we're almost at the end of the week, so let's just jump into a couple news items here. Um, Chris, let's start things off with what's going on in the Star Wars universe or, or galaxy, I guess more appropriately. Um, what's the latest that we know? Uh, so there's a rumor going around these parts that Taika Waititi has been approached by Disney to quote-unquote develop a new Star Wars movie. Now, we don't really know what that means. We don't know if that means he's going to write it. We don't know if that means he's going to direct it. We don't know if he's even going to do anything about it. Um, the story is very vague. It's my least favorite type of news item because the 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 source basically said, we don't even know if this is related to that Kevin Feige Star Wars movie or not. So no one really knows anything. It just boils down to, uh, Disney likes working with Taika Waititi and they probably want him to do something involving Star Wars. And he's already involved with the Star Wars galaxy because he's directed an episode of The Mandalorian and he plays uh, one of those robot characters. I forget the character's name. And there you have it. Yeah. Uh, IG-88, I think, is his Yes, his of course. Name. How can I forget such a memorable character name as that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, HG, what do you make of this? Are you uh, interested in a Taika Waititi-directed Star Wars movie? I would be. Um, I, After Chris uh, spoke about this report, though, I do uh, have some doubts over whether he will actually step on board to direct. But I think that a Taika Waititi um, Star Wars film sounds really fun and really unique. Um, I don't know whether Lucasfilm, as they are now, would allow him to do some of his more... Uh, envelope pushing envelope pushing like directorial flourishes because uh, we saw what happened with previous directors that they that they kind of picked and end up dropping for like their more unique style so um i i would be interested to see like this happen because i feel like he could inject some new life into star wars uh and bring in like a fun really uh meta jokey uh, direction but uh yeah it's, it is still really vague for now so we'll see yeah, and not to group them together too much, but I feel like uh, Taika Waititi is sort of cut from similar cloth as uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and that did not really go very well with Solo. So um, I don't know. I wonder if it is that Mandalorian connection that you mentioned, Chris, like just the fact that he's worked in that universe before, and I wonder if there's, um, I don't know, maybe a better understanding there. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. In the future, all Star Wars movies and all Disney movies will be directed by Taika Waititi and Jon Favreau. That's it. That's all Disney <laughs> wants at this point. Yeah, I think I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday when this news first came out um, sort of lamenting the fact that, you know, the same five people seem to be constantly in talks to direct, you know, all these big tentpole projects. And um, Devender Hardwar, who is one of the co-hosts of uh, the Slash Filmcast, was like uh, sympathetic to that argument, but also trying to just say like... Um, yeah, but can I just have this? Can I have the idea of Taika directing this because it's a, a person of color directing a quote-unquote real Star Wars property, you know, not not being um, relegated to the streaming show or, you know, an animated series or something like that. It's it's like a, a full top-tier um, Star Wars property, and that has yet to happen. So, um, yeah, that would be certainly a, a nice step forward for Disney, and I think all of us really love what uh, Taika did with Thor Ragnarok, so if he could bring some of that same 
sort of a yeah fresh energy to the Star Wars universe. I think all of us would would appreciate it. But yeah, as you mentioned, Chris, it's so early and so vague to <laughs> you know at this point to even be able to speculate doesn't really make a ton of sense. So um, I guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear some more about Star Wars very soon. Uh, let's move on to our next topic, though. Um, HT, let's go from uh, something promising to something not so promising. You actually saw Doolittle, the Robert Downey Jr. movie, recently. Uh, before we get into the news item, tell us what you thought about Doolittle. It's bad. It's very bad, guys. It's a, a, a big jumbled mess of a movie that is full of fart jokes and... Well, the, the famous fart joke in question, actually, is uh, one in which Robert Downey Jr. sticks a leak up a dragon's ass to dislodge various pieces of armor and skeletons and gets rewarded with a long, big fart in his face. And according to this new piece, that was actually something that was added in reshoots. Um, why? Why, HD? Well, you know how we all hate the sort of vague news items that um, we were talking about just earlier? This is the kind of news item we love in that it talks about uh, why a box office disaster is the disaster that it was. And this is a little bit unique in that it's not actually a box office disaster yet. It hasn't hit theaters. Uh, it does this weekend. But Doolittle is projected to be um, a big uh, box office disappointment for Universal. It costs $175 million to make, and it's projected to make over about only $22 million to $25 million over the four-day opening weekend. Yikes. But um, Universal apparently tried really hard to uh, you know, boost uh, Doolittle's chances to go for a more global and child's uh child demographic appeal, hence the addition of uh, more jokes and more fart jokes specifically. Apparently, the, according to a Wall Street Journal story, uh, Doolittle was nearly finished before test screenings. Um, and uh, when the when Universal saw these test screenings, they were unhappy with the tone and decided to take the film through major rewrites and reshoots to craft a sillier movie more likely to appeal to younger moviegoers and overseas audiences. This is actually a real strategy that Universal has uh, hasn't paid off with before, for example, with The Mummy, not for sillier jokes, but to appeal to overseas audiences when a domestic uh, disaster is in the works. So um, huh. the, mummy, the Mummy was actually saved by uh, an overseas gross while it was a huge uh, domestic box office appointment. So uh, let's hope that China really likes dragon fart jokes. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't want to speak to the... Uh, the general tastes of an entire country but i i can't imagine that they will i don't know that seems um yeah just really disappointing hd do you think there's anything that could have been done because I, I haven't seen this movie i've only seen a couple uh tv spots actually for it i don't even think i've ever seen a full trailer for doolittle but um most of the reviews are already in and it seems like uh a lot of people really 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 think this movie is a huge miss i'm wondering if you think there's anything that could have been done to save it is it like one of those movies where it, it feels like there's a good movie in there somewhere and they just couldn't quite find it? Or is it like a mess all the way through? Well, I think it actually could have been done justice if it, if they had gone with a more sort of Paddington, Paul King whimsical approach. Because the beginning of the movie, um, it starts with a car, an animated sort of storybook opening. And it's 
just the right amount of whimsical. We were like, okay, this is promising. And then they completely botched that by just adding more and more CGI animals who are poorly animated and make bad, tasteless, modern jokes that are complete anachronisms with the entire movie and, um, you know, joke about, like, getting their, their balls kicked or something. And it's really awful. Uh, but uh, I, I think it, it, there is, like... A tiny, tiny glimpse of a movie that could have been, but they obviously went for broader and more crass appeal. Yeah, it sounds like the worst of um, the old DreamWorks animation approach mixed with like a a modern um, illumination entertainment approach, like the uh, the Despicable Me, like the minion fart joke kind of thing. Um, I, I wonder if that combination will actually end up being a success globally, but uh, I guess we'll have to keep our eyes peeled, see what Doolittle ends up doing in the long run. But um, all right, let's move on to our, our next topic, which is uh, uh, Disney is killing the 20th Century Fox name. Chris, what's going on? This is sort of a surprising story. Right. So uh, as I'm sure everyone knows by now, Disney owns uh, Fox um, and now they're getting rid of the Fox brand name. Uh, they're going to have instead of 20th Century Fox and Fox Searchlight, they're, these uh, respective studios are now going to be called 20th Century Studios and Searchlight Pictures. And the reasoning behind this seems to be that uh, they really want to distance themselves from the Fox name because while uh, Disney owns the Fox movie companies and uh, a few of the TV entertainment companies, they don't own uh, Fox News. That that stayed with the Murdoch family. And so uh, insiders, quote unquote, are saying that the reason behind this is because they, they're trying to just distance themselves from Fox News and, and the Fox News brand, which uh, I can certainly understand because I wouldn't want to be associated with Fox News either. <laughs> right. So what are we going to see in terms of the um, like the, the famous fanfare? That's like a big deal for a lot of people. There's a, a whole like nostalgic element tied into that. There's like history of the whole studio. Or are they going to completely scrap that and come up with something else? No. Um, thankfully, they're keeping all that. They're just going to, you know, they'll, they'll read little jigger with the 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 um the logo a bit and it won't say fox anymore but it'll still pretty much look the same it'll still have you know have that huge font and the the searchlights going everywhere and the awesome drums and trumpet sounds so all that is staying they're just getting rid of the word fox essentially so honestly it's this isn't a huge deal i know some people i've seen you know the the default mode on twitter is to <laughs> instantly be like this is a, a, a travesty and i get it you know you know 20th century fox has been around for uh decades upon decades and i, I understand worrying that this is sort of like uh trampling on history but it, it's really not the biggest deal in the world like I, I said in our slack like if they had changed the name to like 20th century disney then i would be like all right this is going too far because i really do think Disney has too much power and they have too much control of everything. But in, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think this is a huge deal. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that. Uh, okay, let's move to our next topic, which is Better Call Saul. Chris, this is like one of, if not your favorite show on the air right now. And uh, there's some big news about this show. Right. So uh, the upcoming season is the fifth season that premieres next month. And now it, it, it's been revealed that the show has been renewed for one more season, uh, a sixth season, and also that's going to be the final season of the show. So it's a little bittersweet. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm I've long said that 
I'm all for shows ending when they're supposed to end. I, I hate when shows get dragged out forever. Like Supernatural, a show which is in its, I think, 800th season right now. Or <laughs> The Simpsons, you know, shows that really should have ended a long time ago, but they just keep going. So on one level, I understand why Better Call Saul is coming to an end because the show is has been catching up to the events of Breaking Bad, and it seems like these next two seasons are going to catch up even more. At the same time, a little, I'm just a little sad just because I love this show so much, and I could have gone for like two more seasons personally, but I, I'm just glad the show is also ending on its own terms, that you know it's not going to be canceled before they have an actual ending. So on that level, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm just going to be sad to see it go. Um, I have not caught up with Better Call Saul. I think I just watched season one and that's it. But uh, I am curious, do you, uh, have they um, featured a lot of crossovers with the, the main Breaking Bad cast? Like has um, Aaron Paul or Brian Cranston been like a major part of Better Call Saul? No, yet? no, neither of them have showed up. I mean, like Gus Spring has, is like the biggest example. He's like a main cast member now. And uh, it was revealed that not this upcoming season, but season, or maybe it is this season. It's one of the seasons coming up is going to have Hank Schrader in it, the, the DEA agent who was Walter White's brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in one episode. So it's not so much they had, you know, Walt and Jesse haven't shown up yet. And apparently they're not going to show up this season at all. And maybe they'll show up in season six, but they're definitely not showing up for a while if they are going to show up. Okay. All right, good to know. Uh, okay, so let's move to our last item, and that is Peacock. We talked a little bit about this yesterday when uh, the MacGruber TV show found a home at Peacock, which is NBC Universal's upcoming streaming service. And uh, yesterday afternoon, um, I guess there was a big presentation in New York City at, at the 30 Rock building, and a lot of details were sort of unveiled about what people can expect from this new streaming service. So um, we'd previously heard that Peacock is going to be launching with like 15,000 hours worth of content, but apparently there are actually going to be multiple tiers of this service, and that, that's not like super surprising because there, there are a lot of different tiers for a lot of these different streaming services that are out there right now. Uh, but one of the interesting ones is that um, one of them is going to be called Peacock Free, and that's an ad-supported plan that is going to be available to anybody, um, regardless of cable provider or anything, and that will have uh, about half of the programming on it. So like access to movies and classic TV shows and stuff like that. If you want to see any of the uh, streaming services, original programming though, you're going to have to shell out uh, some money for what they're calling Peacock premium, which gives you access to that full 15,000 hours and all of the original shows like MacGruber, like Sam Esmail's new take on Battlestar Galactica. Um, they're going to have sports programming on there. They're going to have uh, for the first time ever early access to the late night talk shows that are on NBC. So like, uh, uh, the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon and Late Night with Seth Meyers are both going to be available to stream on Peacock Premium three and a half hours before they actually air in their traditional broadcast slots. So that's a first and that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm, uh, I mean, it's like they record them early in the day anyway. So I guess there's the, <laughs> uh, the people who are in charge of Peacock are just thinking like there's no point in waiting and just give the people what they want, I guess. So uh, that's a thing. Um, this network is going to be the, or the streaming service is going to be the, the exclusive streaming home eventually of um, the office and parks and recreation. Uh, the office I think is on Netflix currently, but leaves Netflix at the end of this year. So if you want to, yeah, revisit the office and, and you somehow or you've cut the cord and don't have Comedy Central or anything like that. This seems like this is going to be an easy way to do that. Um, so in terms of pricing, 
the uh, Peacock Premium is going to be free to Comcast and Cox subscribers, and it will cost $4.99 for everybody else per month. Um, and then there's also an ad-free tier, which is $9.99 per month. So um, I, I wrote up this uh, this piece on SlashFilm.com. You can do a, a big comparison of all of the um, major streaming services. There are a ton of streaming services out there right now, obviously, and like still we have a bunch to come, Quibi and, and HBO Max and all that stuff too. Um, but yeah, you can find sort of a breakdown of... Um, how all of these things compare and, and shake out. Um, one of the interesting things that I, I wanted to note about uh, Peacock is it's such a stupid name for a streaming service. Every time I say it, I'm just like, this sounds so dumb. Um, but is that the uh, the release dates, like when this thing is actually going to be available and accessible to the public, is different based on what cable provider you have. So if you have Comcast, X1, and Flex, I don't know what that is, uh, you'll have access to Peacock on April 15th, 2020, and everybody else is going to have to wait a full three months until they can get it, so July 15th, 2020. And I, I don't remember any other major streaming service putting that big of a delay, or maybe any delay at all, um, between the, you know, like basically favoring people who uh, subscribe to cable through uh, that, that Umbrella Corporation's branch or whatnot. So, um, yeah, just an interesting, uh, I guess, side note there. Um, how many streaming services are you guys planning on on, on uh, subscribing to at the end of the day? Chris, I know we talked about this yesterday, and you mentioned like you're in the privileged position of being in the media, so you don't necessarily have to subscribe to this stuff uh, because you can get screeners and things like that. Um, HT, how many is too many for you? Are you are you uh, interested in Peacock based on some of the stuff that that they've um, announced already? Ah, uh, there's just too many. I. Of the new ones, the only one I'm interested in is probably HBO Max. Um, but other than that, I don't think I'll I will be subscribing to Peacock, Apple TV, or all the various other ones. Disney Plus I only stumbled into because my roommate's boyfriend gave us his password. <laughs> and um, I, we also recently bought uh, this antenna that like allows you to uh, to uh, channel surf like various like channels that are available in your area so maybe i'm gonna go back to uh to broadcast <laughs> you're gonna revert while the entire world is moving towards streaming you're gonna put like rabbit ears back on your tv maybe <laughs> i like it i like that approach uh okay all right i think that's gonna bring us to the end of today's episode of slash film daily um let's tell people where they can find more of our work online uh ha let's start with you you can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com. I'm on Twitter at htranbui, and you can find me my podcast, The Millennial Falcon, on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Awesome, and I will put a link to your Doolittle review in the show notes in case people want to subject themselves to to that, or I guess not subject themselves to your, your review, know. yeah, <laughs> to uh, to hopefully like stave them off from the actual experience of seeing the movie. Uh, Chris, where can people find your stuff online? Slashfilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at C Evangelista. 413. You can find me writing at slashfilm.com as well. You can find my stuff on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Ben Pears. And you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name.
name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday.